This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. With us today on the show is actress and screenwriter Siobhan Fallon-Hogan, and we will be talking about her new movie, Shelter in Solitude. Siobhan Fallon-Hogan has been an actress on stage and screen for more than three decades. You have seen her in movies such as Forrest Gump and Men in Black and on a couple of seasons of SNL. In 2019, she and her husband of 28 years established Emerald Cas Productions, which produced both Shelter in Solitude and Rushed. Her IMDb listing highlights more than 75 credits. She's been busy. And she is a graduate of the Catholic University of America right here in our backyard. Welcome to the show, Siobhan. Thanks so much for having me on. I so appreciate it. Great. So the, the movie is set uh, during the peak of the COVID-19 shutdown. Shelter in Solitude is the story of a death row prisoner played by Peter Macon with 10 days left to live. And it talks about his relationship with a wannabe country singer, you. Yes. And the prison warden played by Robert Patrick of Terminator fame. What inspired you to write and produce this movie? Well, I am from a big Irish Catholic family. And my dad was a great guy and instilled a lot of faith in us, but a lot of courage and a lot of toughness. And when we were kids, we'd sit around the table. He was an attorney. He looked like a tip O'Neill. He was big and he was funny. And he, he would tell us about these prisoners that he represented. And I'm from a small town outside of Syracuse called Casanova. My cousins lived over in Pompey, New York. And Sundays after church, we'd go over and see them. They had a farm. And we'd have to pass the Jamesville Penitentiary. So my dad would always tell us these stories about his prisoners that he represented. And then we'd pass the penitentiary. And I was like, what is going on in there? And then one time he represented a prison guard. So I always thought, what are the relationships like? Are they friends? Or, you know, for years, I always thought that. Well, I wrote Rushed. And, you know, I'd never written a movie. I'd always done uh, a theater and TV over the years and plays. And my youngest daughter, Sinead, my third child, was going off to college. And this is like 2018. And I'm thinking, what will I do with myself? Because I'm a character actress. And, I, you know, I have <laughs> worked like four months out of the year. And you say, oh, yeah, I worked a lot last year. Most people think you're working constantly. But anyway, and I thought, what will I do? So I tried my hand at Rushed and wrote the film. So Shelter and Solitude. I'm exhausted. I'm a weak constitution anyway. I always didn't need to take a nap. And, you know, I'm always like, now kids, there's one rule. I have to get some sleep. So Rushed was just finished in April of COVID. And I thought, that's it. I'm taking a break. And in the middle of the night, I'm laying there. And I'm telling you, I sound like a nut. Divine intervention. This story comes to me. And I'm like, it's either my dad delivering it on a silver platter from God, or it's just God. And I scribbled it down, said, what if a washed up wannabe country singer guards, a man on death row with seven days, 10 days left to live. And what if she has a brother who's the warden, who's rough around the edges and he wants no part of her being the prison guard. I scribble it down. I wake up the next day, just like, you know, some people write down their dreams and there it is. And I write it in 16 days, pardon me, three weeks. And we filmed it in 16 days. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I get these ideas at night and I think that's the most brilliant thing in the world that I wake up in the morning. I'm like, 
that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, in the, in the in the movie, I have the line, she is unearned effervescence. Yes, I love that line. I wrote it down. My father said that to me once because, you know, when I got on Saturday Night Live, well, I, I had done a one woman show in L.A. And because no one would cast me. I mean, I was the weirdest looking thing. And I had a really deep voice. I come from Catholic U. I thought I was destined for greatness. And I'm like, hello, does anybody care about me? And so I thought, well, if no one will take me, I'll just write. I'll write the show myself because Catholic U taught us that to, for the master's degree there, you had to have what they called a thesis show. So you had to do two comedic pieces, two dramatic, uh, you know, a, po a poem, that kind of thing. So we were prepared. Well, thank God, because no one would cast me. They're like, you'll grow into your voice when you're 40. You'll start to work around 45. And I'm like, no, I won't, because I can't wait that long. So I wrote a one-person show. Seinfeld came. I got on Seinfeld. I got on SNL, and all these doors opened. But anyway, that's the story came from heaven above, and it's been miracles the whole way. I mean, the fact that we're picked up by AMC and Regal are going to be all over the country, and we're a family-produced, family-distributed movie is a miracle from God. And it's 100% prayer. Catholic imagery is woven throughout this movie. From your character, Valerie, praying the rosary each day, statues and icons of Mary, Jesus, other saints. We hear you singing a customized version of Bernadette Farrell's Christ Be Our Light. Yes. Uh, why, why is it so important to have these Catholic themes in Shelter and Solitude? When I decided, first of all, I have three kids. And all along my career, I've made decisions that have really hurt my wallet, which were like saying no to roles or quitting roles, literally quitting because they offended my faith and I did not want to be a bad example to my kids. So all along it's been this. So now when I was able to write Rushed and I thought, whoa, and people were like, how did the A story go to the B story? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I just wrote the movie. So Shelter and Solitude came along and I got on my hands and knees and I said, listen, and you're not supposed to do this, by the way. I was like, you help me. I promise I will make it my mission to spread the word. And so I wanted to, I figure, look, I'm a little long in the tooth at this point. What am I doing? Tap dancing around, making people laugh or in these, in these movies. Why don't I do something important? And so that's what I wanted to do. Now, that being said, you know, Mike, the characters, as you saw, rough around the edges. My character is a wannabe country singer. She's a cougar wannabe, but no one will have her. She is drinks too much. The warden is bitter and angry. His family's left him. He's in a bad divorce. And he and he and he's kind of grouch. The really exemplary character is Peter Macon as the prisoner. So what I really enjoy and really knew growing up is really um flawed people who are great people. And that's who I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. Siobhan, your character makes a point of saying that Catholics aren't usually very good at scripture, which always surprises me because we hear from the Old Testament, the Psalms, the New Testament, and the Gospels at every Mass on Sunday, you know, when we go. Yes. But then Valerie makes a point of quoting scripture a few times. How did those passages from Matthew and John contribute to Valerie's relationship with Jackson, the prisoner? Well, and you know what? When, I, when my character says that, it's because Catholics that I know are self-deprecating. Now they're yeah. always saying, you know, the bet you know who the, really the best Catholics are? The converts. You know, the, the, the born again Christians, they really know scripture so much better than us. That's where that's coming from. Because the truth is the Catholics really do know the scripture. So, so my character is doing what she knows best, which is okay, 
like, it's kind of like me. It's like, okay, let me think. This guy's 10 days left. You know what I do? I'm going to change him. I'm going to give him scripture. I'm going to, I'm going to show him the light and he's going to be happy. Well, he wants no part of it, but those particular scriptures, which again, miracles, I would just literally like open the Bible. Like, don't be anxious for itself for tomorrow. Be anxious on its own. I mean, it's literally what if everybody should live by, you know, if you've ever experienced anxiety or you, and what, what this character needs. So, and then when I sing Christ be my light, I don't know. It's literally me. I never know the words to think. And I make, I <laughs> matter of fact, when I got Bernadette's, you know, you have to get, um, there's a place in Oregon and you have to get the rights to these songs and pay for right. them. You can't just think right. Oregon Catholic press. Right. I guess. So I get her song. And I'm like, Oh, you don't say that's a, that's, you know, just like, my character says when she reads the Bible and she reads the passage, she goes, oh, that's pretty good. And I was like, well, I, I literally got Bernadette's song. And I was like, by the way, my daughter's Bernadette. And I said, my gosh, I've been singing this wrong all along. It's like, I kind of curtailed the phrase, like, Christ be my guide, shine on my life. You know, but anyway, and as you can see in that scene, because he's proclaiming, not saying, because he doesn't speak for the first three uh, scenes, to come off as an atheist who's angry at God and but then she's slow. I, I liken it to slowly chipping away at someone. Someone. It's almost like with kids, how people get upset. Like, my kids aren't going to mass. What am I going to do? And I'm like, relax, relax. Just keep chipping away at them. You know, like, remember in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when Yukon Cornelius has the, the pick and he goes, nothing. So, and this is the way it is in this movie. It's like, I keep chipping. I will not give up on that guy. Yeah, and eventually you strike gold. You have a great, yes. you know, he opens up to you. Yes. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more after the break, where how you get him to open up and, and go from there. But you're an unconventional prison guard, certainly. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, so from those, that respect, I, I don't know that there are often prison guards who uh, who sing and dance uh, while, while they're talking to somebody. In high-heeled shoes. In high-heeled shoes, right. How does that help him open up to, to Valerie's character? I think because she's such an eccentric and all bets are off that she's completely um, what's the word? Like, say if you're in a class and someone's the curve and they bring, they bring right. the, um, they got an F and they're like, thank God they got an F because now my D means a C. So right. she's so, so rough around the edges that he's like, Hey, look, I, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at a rough sentence here for a, a, a crime and she's if she's willing to be so out there it, it becomes charming to him and mm-hmm. i think that i think he more than charming i think he appreciate comes to appreciate her efforts because she's also bringing him things all the time that he hasn't had in years right you know when i when i stuck when i did research on the prisons it's like first of all when i got in that prison the acoustics and i and, and that's improvised when i say my gosh the acoustics are good in here you know it's because the acoustics in a prison, it's like, you you know, if you're a sound, like I always say to my kids, I'm being acoustically assaulted. Could someone turn the music down? So, you know, when you have that constant noise, you can't even think straight. I mean, the cinematographer said in the jail, everyone, listen, this is rough. Please, even when you're, we purposely, Sabina Miliani, our editor, when I walk down the aisle with Robert Patrick or when he walks down alone, that was purposeful that that was a little bit longer than you thought to show Listen to that click, 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 click. You know, it drive the sound would drive you nuts. Mm. While the lights are kind of flashing on and off. 
the lights are flashing. It's all these senses. It worked very well. Yeah, yeah your sensory sensory overload is just like, come on, is it bad enough? I'm in, I'm in a shoebox. Yeah. Well, after the break, we are going to talk some more with Siobhan Fallon Hogan, writer and star of the new movie Shelter in Solitude, which is going to be out in theaters, uh, but it's also going to be streaming on Amazon Prime and other streaming platforms. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Thousands of children from Italy and other parts of the world will meet Pope Francis at the Vatican November 6 to express their hopes, dreams, and questions. It will be a meeting to show the dream we all have, the Pope said, to go back to having the pure sentiments of children because the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children. He added that children teach us about transparency and relationships, about spontaneously welcoming those who are strangers, and about respect for all of creation. Franciscan Father Enzo Fortunato, who was also involved in helping with the event, told reporters the children will have the opportunity to ask the Pope any question they want. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett indicated October 16th she would support adopting a formal code of ethics for jurists on the High Court. Barrett's comments followed allegations of gifts received or other improper financial activities by some of her colleagues. All federal judges, other than the justices on the High Court, must adhere to a formal ethics code, but the Supreme Court, which is the only federal court created by the Constitution, is not included in that code. Barrett, who was previously a professor at the Notre Dame Law School in Indiana, joined the High Court in 2020. For more on this and other stories, as well as the latest commentary, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. We're back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Siobhan Fallon Hogan, who produced, wrote, and stars in the new movie Shelter in Solitude about a death row inmate with 10 days to go before his execution. What kind of obstacles did you face during the the COVID pandemic to bring this to production? We faced so many obstacles. Okay, first of all, as I said, Rushed, my first movie, came out September 27th, 2021, just at the... the very beginning of when theaters were back. So no, people were afraid to go to the theater. Well, I never in a million years would ever do this again. But we started filming three weeks later. Why? Because Robert Patrick was available. Now, Screen Actors Guild had crazy stipulations. Everybody had to be tested. It was a fortune to test. It's a huge part of your budget. They had to be tested. And then you have crew that some are like completely fine with, with COVID and they don't want to be tested at all, but they have to be. 
And then they're grouchy because they have to be. And then there's ones who are paranoid, like, hey, I shouldn't say paranoid. It's people that are very overly worried about COVID are saying, oh, what are my results? So we, so every day that's part of your day. And that takes, you know, you're on it. Like I said, we filmed in 16 days. We're on this budget and we got to hurry up. Well, we got to wait for results. So that's a big COVID part. Then there's that constant worry that if someone gets COVID, there goes everything. Now, if your sound guy gets it, you're sunk. If you're, you know, so you have that constant worry. Um, Then writing it, of course, I didn't know anything about, say, now marketing. And people are like, well, we try to stay away from the COVID stories. People don't want to hear it anymore. I'm like, well, you know, I really didn't know those stipulations. But thankfully, thankfully, my character says, do you mind if I take this mask off? I just can't breathe with it on. You know, so those were those were the obstacles. And of course, we filmed in upstate New York, and this doesn't have anything to do with COVID, but we had weather obstacles. Well, do you know, it was gorgeous, sunny every day in upstate for three weeks, except for the three days we were inside the bar. There you go, which was good for good convertible weather then, I guess, right? Yes. Well, I saw some parallels between Shelter and Solitude and The Green Mile, although your film is not as dark or ominous, I think. Uh, still, both deal with a man on death row, about to be executed, and coming to grips with impending death. And, but yet, I, there were themes of hope and redemption throughout. Why is that important to this film? It's so important because... It's exactly what Valerie is saying in her severely layperson way. <laughs> her rough language. It's like, you, do you believe in all that? I say, because if, because you, you gotta have, well, you gotta have hope. And if you want to see your kids, but I remember this. As I said, I was really close with my father, and he was really, really funny. And I'm, I actually wrote a play that I got to work on, but it's actually about my mother's last day. But my dad, by the end was was he got lymphoma and you know also sometimes a lot of tough big guys really you know they're not the type that to be sick so he had a trach and he was a mess like the last he had to have, he always said the, the last thing i'll ever do is dialysis well we had a baby monitor and he was in the downstairs and i was we're all big families so there's all different elements but he was supposed to go to dialysis this one day and he couldn't even get out of the chair and they said well you we could come get him and put him in a stretcher and i said uh-uh we're done I'm not putting my father in a stretcher to be stretched to, it's ridiculous. So I called the doctor in Casanova and he was, um, he was Dr. Herity, he had a little black um, bag, just like Little House on the Prairie. And I said, and I went on the side of the house to whisper because I thought my sister's going to kill me if they hear this. And my brother said, listen, we're done. I'm not doing this. I'm not taking my father to dialysis. He's too good for this. So he comes out and he said, do any of you girls want to come in? I want to talk to your dad. And we go, no, we said, no, my brother and my mom. And then he went and we heard him on the monitor and he said, Bill, you don't have to do this anymore if you don't want. And my father said, okay, okay. But you know, you got to have hope. So right to the bitter end, you have to have hope and prayer and faith are that amazing, as I'm saying it out loud now, salvation that in the in in a, in a in a place where you have zero hope, when you're in isolated in jail on death row, how are you supposed to have hope unless you have faith? And I, I can't even imagine, you know. Yeah, the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, opposes the death penalty. Did that weigh in on your approach to this film about a death row? Animal? Absolutely, absolutely. I I'm fascinated too with 
you know, okay, a guy's on death row or a woman because of what they did. Who's the person that pulls the pull, put injects and pulls the trigger or like whatever you do hangs. How, why do you want that on your um, tombstone or on your legacy or, or be burned in hell for that? I'm like, I cannot believe that, that how detached you'd have to be to do that. So yes, I do not, thou shalt not kill. That's all there is to it. I mean, you know, you don't go against the, 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 the 10 commandments, my daughter, Sinead, um, and this is crazy because, you know, St. Teresa of Lisieux feast day was Sunday and yesterday was uh, the guardian angels. I'll tell you a crazy, crazy story. So, but anyway, my daughter, Sinead, I had very, a lot of trouble um, getting pregnant with her. And so I prayed to St. Teresa of Flower. I said, look, you've got to help me. I was living in New York city. I promise I'll name her Therese if I can get pregnant. I'd see like roses in central park. I was like, Oh, there she is. Cut to I'm pregnant. I say to my sister, Mary, Mary, I really want to name her Sinead because I love that name. My sister said, uh, you don't mess with the saints. <laughs> no, no. So she's Therese Sinead. You just mentioned the Feast of the Guardian Angels. When Valerie's bar gets shut down for the pandemic, she takes a job at the prison where her brother's the warden. But she's an unconventional corrections officer. Is Valerie more of a guard or a guardian angel? That's a great question. I've never even thought about that. Do you know what? I think you're right. I think she's his guardian angel. She's his gift at the end of his life. Now, Dan Castellaneta, you know, who's the voice of Homer Simpson, he was his best friend in his guard. But what would be the chances that this guy who's given up on everything, really, he's given up on seeing his family, he's given up on his faith, that he comes in and he's got this woman, like, it's almost like when it reminds me of my son, when he was little, my son, my husband would take those pitting, pitching cages and here comes another ball, another ball. Another, it's like, you're not getting away from me, fella. And you can't get away from me because you're behind bars. And, and, and the rosary, you know, I'm in a rosary group and my rosary group has been praying and praying for this movie. And, you know, the hilarious, when she's in bed at night, praying the rosary, drinking the wine and knocking over the, the blessed mother statue. And then it cuts to, if you, if you watch in the bed, when you cut to the, to the dresser and there's all those religious relics and there's a picture of a little girl in the communion with her head tipped, that's me. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And, and I remember that so well because my cousin, Frankie, we we're both in the same grade, grade. So his family had the, the communion party and I got nothing. I got nothing and no one wanted to take my picture. And, you know, I must be an egomaniac because, you know, in the bar, for example, Valerie has sang in Nashville once and what she's like Mrs. Havisham of Nashville. And so now she has all these pictures of herself of the one night she sang in Nashville in 1996. Well, I remember as a kid being like, well, there's one picture of me from First Holy Communion. Someone bothered to take. And you got it in the movie. I got it in the movie. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you the crazy story. You know the Blessed Mother photo in Robert Patrick's office? Did you uh -huh. notice that? Desk? Mm -hmm. Went into the old defunct prison that my sisters found a guy who let me in. And there's a in this hovel a massive picture of the Blessed Mother. And I was like, got it. Okay. She's in. All right. Good stuff. So you, you made a clear decision to put some Catholic values into uh to under the screen via your production company, Emerald Cast Productions. Is it hard to be Catholic or even a person of any faith in Hollywood? People ask me that all the time. And the truth is this. I think that you see at my stage of the game, it's easier, but I was always, I think that everybody can get along if you have the guts to stand up to say who you are. Say, look, this, I, I, I honestly, I don't do that. I, I have not found it 
no, I have quit and I have had to say no to things, but I've been able to make my way pretty far with, you know, being Catholic. And I don't like being a whiner, you know, and be like, oh, it's really hard because I don't want to discourage young people because there's a path for everybody. Good job. What have you got coming up in the future? So I wrote a play about my mother's last day and it's loaded with a rosary. It's, it's all about her, you know, her last day on earth. Um, I am writing another movie that I'm three quarters of the way through, but I'm really not good at endings. And um, listen, I hope to, um, I told my, my, my husband, I want to put my feet up and eat bonbons, (laughs) but listen, I'm so grateful. Do you know what I mean? And I've been asked to, I've, I've always gone to schools and that kind of thing. And um, I just hope I continue to get good roles, maybe write another impactful movie and just hope that, you know, that the movie's protected and we get the audience that we need. Well, good luck with that. We have been talking with Siobhan Fallon Hogan about the new movie, Shelter in Solitude, which, by the way, also includes her son, one of her her son and one of her daughters in the movie. The movie begins streaming on Amazon Prime uh, October 12th. It's going to be on other no, streaming I, I'm gonna, services. I'm going cr- to correct you on that. So because we so because AMC and Regal picked us up, we're not going to stream for, we have a contractually because we're in the theaters, we can't stream right. for, for a couple of months. I also want to okay. say, can I ask last, one last thing? So Absolutely. Father Harkey was at Catholic University when I was there. My first year in New York City when I was down in the dumps, I was, my mother would say, Lois Snake Sips. He called me Christmas. He said, he used to call me Irish. Irish, Father Hark, for this Christmas, I give you the gift of courage. Meant the world to me. It takes some courage to make a movie like this, doesn't it? Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Siobhan, for being with us today. We, uh, we will look forward to having people see the movie in the theaters and then when it comes out streaming later this year. Yes. And follow us on Instagram at Shelter in Solitude and Facebook, Shelter in Solitude. Thank you so, so much. All right. This is Chris Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us 
and keep us always in his love.